Happy Father's Day to all you dads. We're going to do something real quick. Um, I know uh, we already drew attention to some of you guys. We're not going to make you guys stand up or run around the room or anything like that. I know that men, we don't always like to be like singled out in public in front of everybody. Some of you guys do though, yeah? Some of you guys are like, Ham's like, I'm the man, I'm the man. Like I know, but sorry. We're just going to ask you humbly, if you're a dad in here, would you just raise your hand right now? That's all we're going to ask. We just want to pray for you. Can you just raise your hand? And, and if you're seated near a dad, would you lay hands on that dad that's got his hand up right now? I want to make sure every dad that's got their hand up has someone laying hands. We're not trying to do anything weird, massage you or pick your pocket or anything. We're, <laughs> the Bible says that oftentimes when we pray for people, we're to lay hands on them as a sign of our support and also the anointing of God and the Holy Spirit in their life. So if you got a hand up, make sure that someone's laying hands on you. You can put your hand down right now, now that we're all laying hands. We're going to pray right now for every dad in the room. So would you guys just join me as we bow in prayer for the dads. Lord, we come before you today on this day where we honor the fathers and we honor our dads, Lord, and all the men in this room. But also, Lord, I want to broaden that to all the, the dads that maybe aren't with us right now here or dads that have gone before us or, Lord, even the spiritual dads in our life, the, the mentors and the uncles and the father figures that we have. Lord, we just want to pray blessing upon them wherever they may be. Lord, right now, those of us that are in the room that are dads, um, Lord, I pray that they would be blessed, that your favor would rest upon them. Lord, I pray that whatever the dads are going through right now in the room, if there's one thing, if I say, what is the biggest stress in your life right now? Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would get to work on blessing the person in that stress, in that thing, that problem that's the burden in their life right now. Lord, whether it's um, relationships with family, spouse, kids, whether it's financial, whether it's something to do with the career, education, whatever. Lord, in Jesus' name, would you just especially bless the dads right now and give them what they need, Lord, whatever that may be. Would you just bless them from your heart that is a father's heart that understands the burden and the responsibility that they carry. Father, bless those dads and our spiritual dads and mentors and those that have coached us in life right now. And Lord, um, would we all live, Father God, our lives to just do the best we can to bless them and to honor them. And we just thank you for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Was that good? Well, good. Prayer is always a good thing. Um, we're, today we're talking about legacy. It was one of the words that was in that video right there. It's actually a word that's used in our story that Jesus tells today. We're in this little series called Secret Stories. And basically, it's the parables of Jesus. We pick some of the most popular, some of the most powerful parables that Jesus ever taught. Remember, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning that Jesus would often speak as we're picking up the story in the Gospels today. He starts to speak in more cryptic ways, like before he was teaching directly about the Word of God, and now he's kind of going, let me tell you a story, let me tell you a story. And what it is, is it's meant to make something that's like heavenly and mysterious and about the kingdom of heaven. He's telling a basic, simple story so that we understand it a lot better. And what it did is it confused even further all of his critics and everybody else. And he was like drawing a line in the sand saying, I'm going to tell some stories from here on out. And those that want to get it, they're going to get it and it's going to be so good for them. And the other ones that aren't going to get it, they're going to be more confused, but at least they can't come at me and criticize me for teaching directly against them. It's kind of secret. So he tells this story, but it has to do with this word legacy. What is legacy? Well, I looked it up in the dictionary. It says, legacy is a gift of property or money that's passed on to someone by a will, or it's like a bequest. It's actually in the broader sense, what we're talking about today, it's anything that is handed down from the past as from an ancestor or a predecessor, something that happened in the past or that comes from someone in the past. 
It's basically the question we ask ourselves is what are we passing on to others? And especially this is a message for us fathers, for us dads, or parents in general, but really everybody. But I'm thinking in my terms, it's about dads. Because I look at my life and I look and I realize I have a legacy. We've all been given legacies from other people. They make uh, an impact on our lives and we take away from everybody. But we ourselves are responsible for leaving a legacy. And it may not be money, but it might be money, might be stuff, houses, cars. But more than that, it's, it's personality, it's strengths, it's character, it's giftings, it's who we are that is imparted to other people. Not always just like next generation, but to those around us that work with us, that are our friends that we have, that we all have a legacy to leave with other people. What are we passing on to other people? Right now, the people that I owe it to the most are three smaller people in my life, and that's my three kids, right? We have a picture of my kids. We can show up there. Those are Kylie, Isaac, and Sammy. And this, I love them with everything I got, and I know that I have a responsibility and a privilege to pass on good things to them. I want to leave a good legacy so that my kids, when they remember dad, will always go, man, dad taught me this, and dad had good character, and dad always loved the Lord, and dad taught me different stuff. So I'm always trying to work at that, trying to, trying to make sure that I have a legacy that says I spend time with my kids. The other day, my son, he's on summer break, and I've been bringing him up to the office with me every day in the, in, uh, the work week because he doesn't have summer school or anything. And then Friday's like, Dad, can you take me surfing? And I'm like, well, I'm technically kind of the boss around here. I mean, I work for a bigger boss, but technically around here, I'm going to just move my hours because my son is important to me. So I'm going to leave a legacy that says Dad wasn't so caught up with his work that he didn't make time for the kids. So I took my son surfing. Um, we went down to Kiwalos and we surfed all day. And it was, I want to leave that kind of a legacy to my kids. Yesterday, you know what I did on my, my Sabbath, my day off with my family is? We went to Waimea Bay and we jumped off the rock. Anybody all about that? We love the rock, don't we? So check out this picture. I took the seven-year-old and I jumped her off the rock right there. So that's us charging. That's her first time. And she went like a handful of times. And it was so cool because she goes, I don't want to jump on my own. Dad, I'm only going to do it if I hold your hand. And I'm like, yeah, dad is the man, right? And that's a legacy. I want to teach my kids courage. And I want to teach them, leave a legacy that they trust me and they can trust me that they're going to be okay. And my other daughter, my oldest is up in California. She sent me a little picture in an Instagram this morning, said she loves and misses me. And I'm like, yes, I want that relationship to be healthy. See, all of us, we want to leave a good legacy, don't we? It matters to us, especially on Father's Day. It matters what I'm imparting into other people. Um, and here's the interesting thing is, whether you like it or not, whether you're intentional about it or not, you are currently building a legacy that people will know you and remember you by. And a lot of times, here comes the problem with the tension in the room and, and in our lives and in the story is, some of us have made mistakes. Some of us, if we look right now at our lives, a snapshot of our life, and we look at the legacy that we're leaving for our kids or for other people around us, we're not doing the best job we could. There's some things that we have done. There's some mistakes in our past. There's some things we're guilty of. There's some things we know that God says, here's what a really good legacy looks like. And we're like, man, I fall short. So here's the question for the day. Jesus answers it in this question, in this story. What do I do if, I have, if I'm not leaving the greatest legacy? What do I do if I've made some mistakes? What does God think about me if I haven't done everything as good as I could? Is, is there even hope for my life? How does God feel about that? And that, I want to answer that question today with this parable of the lost son. Have any of you guys ever heard of this parable, the story, the prodigal son, right? The lost son. This is one of the most powerful stories that Jesus tells in Scripture. 
And a lot of us are like, yeah, I know that one already. No, reread it. It's good. It gets good. We're going to dig into it today because it's the story of some, a son that has rejected and gone away from the love and all that the father has to offer. He goes out there, he makes mistakes, but he repents. He turns around, he comes back to the dad. And it's a picture of the dad going, I don't care where you've been, what you've done. I just love you and I want you in my house and I want to take care of you. And it's the gospel message rewritten, reworded by Jesus. It's what Christianity is all about. And some of us are at the point where we're living in guilt and we're beating ourselves up and we aren't leaving the greatest legacy and we don't know what to do. And the story today is telling us your legacy starts right now. You can make changes right now, this Sunday morning, hearing this message from God in this tent in Kaneohe on Father's Day, and you can change your legacy so that you're doing incredible things to those that are around you and you're blessing other people's lives. So let's um, get into the story here. It starts in Luke chapter 15. Luke 15, it starts off, it's, it's um, Jesus, and he's going to be teaching some lessons, but this is how it really starts off. The Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day are criticizing Jesus. That's what they did. They made it a part-time job to criticize Jesus. We're out to get him. We want to kill him. Now, just so that you guys understand the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they get a bad rap sometimes. And Jesus says all kind of gnarly things about him, like, you brood of vipers, how dare you, right? All of this stuff. But the original intent is that these are men of God. These are men that have held to the prophecies and the law of Moses and all that has been written about God and the laws of God for all of these years, and they're basically trying to perpetuate people serving God and obeying the law and having good relationship with God. Somewhere along the line, what happened is, as it often happens with us men and women, is humankind, right? We let pride kind of creep in. And suddenly it's not all the focus on God. It becomes in like the men of God. And we start to get prideful and they start to think, they started equating the rules they made up as equal to the rules that God laid down. And so they started bringing about the spirit of religiosity. So here's the trippy thing. Jesus shows up now on the scene in the New Testament. He comes on board and he goes, "Um, I'm the son of God. And all of the laws and all the prophets that you've been teaching about, I'm actually fulfilling here and now. And all the dramatic miracles he did and everything, and all they said was, no, this guy's just a carpenter's son. This guy's, you're not the real deal. How dare you? That's blasphemy for you to talk about God this way. And Jesus goes, guys, here's why I'm mad at you. You're missing it. I'm the guy. I'm the one that you've been talking about. All the prophecies. So they wouldn't get it. They couldn't get it. Their hearts were hard. They were so caught up in this religious spirit. And Jesus is trying to break that. And he's going, it's all about love now. It's all about relationship with me, relationship with the Father, the Holy Spirit in you. It's not about the law anymore. I fulfilled the law. I've lived a perfect life. But they couldn't get it. So they're criticizing They're the haters. They're the critics. They're dissing Jesus. Jesus shows up, and he's loving on all of the sinners, the unclean. According to Moses' law, if you obeyed the laws and and went to the temple and made sacrifices, you're clean. But if you're anybody else, you're unclean, and we don't want to have anything to do with you. Jesus comes in, and he goes, no, that's that's not good enough because God is for everyone. So I'm going to go hang out with the sinners. I'm going to go to their house and even eat with them. Moses' law said you cannot eat with the sinners. If they're unclean, you can't even go in their house. So here's how Luke 15 starts off is the Pharisees are criticizing Jesus. Why are you loving on those lost people, those sinners, those sketchy, dirty people? And of course, Jesus now, he begins this new style of teaching where he answers their question. Why are you hanging out with those people? He answers with stories, with parables. And this is where he comes in. He tells two stories before we get into the parable of the lost son. He talks about a lost sheep. He goes, let me tell you a story. There's a shepherd. He has 100 sheep. 
one of them gets lost and wanders off. One thing you know about sheep is they're not the most brilliant of animals. If you've ever studied sheep, like they need to be with the rest of the herd. They need to have a shepherd or they'll go and they'll get themselves stuck on a thorn bush and they'll just like, oh, I'm stuck. And they don't try to run away. They're just like, help, help. They just stand there, right? And the rest of the sheep are like, dude, just undo your thing. Just run away. It's just wool, right? And they're just like, ah, you know? And they're, they need to be provided for. So he goes, yeah, I have one sheep. Here's a shepherd with 100 sheep. One of them gets lost on his own, like, dumbness or whatever. And he's out there. And he goes, won't the shepherd do everything he can to leave the rest behind, keep them safe? But he goes after that sheep. And when he finds that sheep, he puts them up on his shoulders and he's rejoicing. And he comes home and he says, look, everybody, I got my sheep. I'm so excited. And he, he says this. Jesus teaches a little lesson. He explains the parable. He says, there's more joy in heaven the angels are rejoicing more over that one lost sinner that's out there outside of God's family that comes back into the sheepfold, back into God, than there is joy in all the rest that are already in the family of God. That's pretty heavy because they're going, why do you love the lost? And Jesus goes, oh, you have no idea how much I love the lost. Let me tell you why it's so important. Jesus tells the story. Here's what he's saying. Every life matters. Every life matters. So I'm going to go and get those guys that are lost. Then he tells the story. There's a coin. There's a one coin that's lost. A lady has 10 coins in her house. She values and treasures her coins. She loses one. And I said, won't she light a lamp and look everywhere and turn the house upside down? You guys ever lost your car keys before, or your phone? And what you do at home, you're just like, oh, where is it? And you're just blaming everybody. And you're like, sofas upside down. And she's just like, ah. And Jesus goes, won't she look everywhere until she finds that coin? And when she finds it, she tells all of her friends, look how awesome this is. And she rejoices. And God is making Jesus telling stories to say this. The reason I hang out with sinners is because they are people too. They need my love and I'm going to go after them. And I love the last, the lost and the least. And they are worth seeking out and finding. And these guys, you know, like his followers are just going, yeah, thank you, Jesus, right? And the Pharisees are like, we hate you all the more. We don't understand your dumb stories. Then to make the point even further, he now tells the story about the lost son, about the prodigal son. And let's pick up the story right here um, in Luke 15. This is how much Jesus loves the lost. Here's a little side note for me. As I look around our church and I go, what makes a good church? What, what's the things we should do? Should we have good teaching? Should we have good music? Yeah, you should. We have a good children's church? Oh, amazing children's church. Good youth program? Yep. How's the facilities? Well, we meet in a tent, but we got air conditioning, so we're happy. We got good seats. There's a lot of things that make up a good church, but what Jesus is making a point of saying in here is there's more rejoicing in all of heaven when one sinner repents and comes back into the kingdom than all the rest that are in it. Here's what he's saying real clear to me. It's great that you have a good church, you teach a good message, you have good worship, there's a lot of good Christians, but what excites me the most is that this is a church where people are finding Jesus. There are people every week are coming. Did you know that last week alone we had 35 people make decisions for Jesus Christ? Is that good? Praise God. I'm excited about that. I look at all the other numbers, like money, can we pay the bills, the tithes and offerings come in, how many people do we have, it looks like we're growing, that's great. But the one that excites me the most every week is how many people found Jesus, how many of the lost were found in this church, that's what makes a good church, amen? So anyway, here we go, Luke 15, verse 11, to illustrate the point further, read along with me, Jesus told them this story, a man had two sons, the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. The original Greek word here for estate and investments and all that the father had is the word in English, legacy. Okay, this is where we get the legacy from. It's here's the younger son saying, look, all that you, dad, are leaving to me, I want it right now. I'm going to do what I want to do with it. 
Now, in Bible days, um, what, what happened in this, this culture and in this time is there's two sons, it says right here. So the older son gets the double inheritance, the double portion. So two-thirds of his money goes to the older son, and the younger son gets one-third of the money and the investment and the estate and the legacy, basically. But what happens is you usually don't inherit that stuff until the father passes away. Now, rarely you could actually ask for it early for certain reasons, but that was kind of frowned on in society and culture. It was kind of, that's disrespectful to ask for the money before your dad has even passed on. But this younger son, it tells you something about him. He's a little greedy. He's a little impatient. And he goes, give me the money now. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. So the dad goes, look, I I think it's dumb, but you know what? I'm going to let you make your choices. A few days later, the younger son packed all of his belongings, moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About this time, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. So not only is he blowing all of his money, but now a famine comes, and now he has even less money, and there's less food available. Um, He's starving. He persuades a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. A couple things to make note of right here. Jewish man in this, this time, Moses' law said pigs are an unclean animal. You can't be anywhere near pigs. You cannot eat pork, can't eat bacon. That's a sad day, right? It is a sad thing to be a Jewish man. Oh, man, no bacon. So he can't eat pigs. They're dirty. You can't sacrifice them as an as a, uh, animal sacrifice. Like they could, they could do uh, like uh, doves and they, they would do like calves and they would do goats and all of this sacrifice at the temple. Pigs are on the no-no list. They're unclean, right? Let alone, you can't even touch them. And here's this guy now. He's so rock bottom in his life. He's working with them. He's touching them. He's feeding them. Not only that, he's so hungry. He hit rock bottom so hard. He's actually thinking about sharing the food with the pigs. So he is in the, the worst, lowest place of his life. Not only that, but it's interesting when it says like this, no one gave him anything. You know what that tells me? He actually didn't have any more friends. He must have had friends at some time. But if it says no one gave him anything, man, where's your friends? If I'm down on my luck and I'm starving and I'm working with pigs or something, I'm hoping that I got some relationships in my life where I'm like, dude, can I borrow 20 bucks? You know, can I get a Big Mac, please? You know, Uh, he had no friends if it says no one gave him anything. Verse 17 says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to eat, to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. Here's what I'm going to do. And this is the key to the story, is the repentance. He goes, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. He said in my heart, look, I, I own it. I made the mistake. I'm, I'm dumb. I, I just want to know if you'd hire me as a slave. I'm not worthy to be your son, but could I just... I just need to eat. I'm dying here. He returned home to his father. And this is cool because this is really a picture of Father God. While, while the boy was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Side note, Jewish men of this time and in this culture and of, of his stature, don't run. You don't run. That's beneath you to run. That's, people don't run. You, you walk and you strut, right? There's even swag back in the day. It's like, I'm the man. I, I don't run for no one, right? That was, the, that was the environment of the day, the culture. 
But here's this rich father that knows like, oh, culturally that's unacceptable. The neighbors are going to talk. But he sees his son. He goes, I don't even care. I'm running. That's my boy. And he's coming home. I don't care what he's done. He ran to him. He embraced him and he kissed him. And look at what it says even further. It says, um, his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of even being called your son. But his father pretty much ignored it and just said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him, get a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. In other words, this isn't a, a, a servant, a slave. This isn't an unclean person. This is my son. So he gets all my authority, all of my love, all of my blessing, the ring, the robe, the sandals, clean him up. This is my son. He says, kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. This is the picture of Jesus in his super secret story over here talking about God is the father. And sometimes we are the kids that run off and get lost and turn our back on him. And yet we can always come back home when we're repentant. We understand what's going on. We come back and God's got open arms to receive us. But look, there's a little bit further. It says in verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Well, your brother's back, he was told, and your father's killed a fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, Look, all these years I've slaved for you. Never once refused to do a single thing, uh, to refuse to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. Your father says this, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. In other words, I could throw a party for you anytime I want. You know that everything I have is yours. He says, we have to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost but now he is found. Isn't this such a good story? This is Jesus just going, this is how the Father loves you. No matter where you are, no matter what you've done, he's there to welcome you back with open arms. And I want to I talk about the few things that we see in this story. There's a few lessons for us. And the first one is simple, and it's just this. The first thing I see is make right choices. Real plain and simple, the first thing we can learn from this lesson is make right choices. Why? Because what we see in this what the Bible was given to us for, by the way, right, is that we can learn lessons that other people have already lived through and other lessons that they've already made. Sometimes mistakes, sometimes victories, but we can learn from them. The first thing we see is that this kid could have made a better choice, and he made the wrong choice, right? He wanted his way and not God's way. That's what it comes down to in life. You know how you make the right choices? Make the choices that God approves of, that God is leading you to. If you want to make wrong choices, go your own way apart from God, and you're going to reap the consequences. So we can either be leading a legacy that we are known as a people that say, you know what, it might be hard, but I'm going to do it God's way, because God's way is always the right way. Or we can be leaving a legacy behind to our friends and to our family that go, you know what, I don't know, my, my dad was cool, but man, he's always impatient. He always wanted to do things his way. People would try to give him advice, and he just always wanted to go his own way. And you know what? It kind of showed up in his life. I don't want to leave that kind of legacy for my kids. There's a time in Old Testament history where Joshua, you know who Joshua was? He was like the, the successor of Moses. And Moses did the whole 40 years, right, in the wilderness. And Joshua became the new leader that brought the children of Israel, the, the Israelite nation, across the Jordan River into the new promised land that God had for them. So Joshua was the leader of the people. All the people now go into this new culture, 
And they start checking out all the other cultures of the different people that live in the lands. And they start going, man, this is kind of cool. I like these other guys. And meanwhile, God's going, no, stay my people about my purposes and I'll bless you. And they're kind of looking around going, but we could do that and we could do that. And we could start thinking selfishly. Joshua, the leader of the people, gathers everybody together one day. And he's, I look at it from the father's heart of Joshua. He's a dad too. He comes together and he goes, okay, guys, you're, you're wondering if you should stick with God, do it his way, or if you should do it the way that you see the other cultures and the other gods out there. Let's talk about that right now. And he gathers everybody. He says this in Joshua 24, 15, one of the greatest like little mini speeches in all the Bible. He says, if you decide that it's a bad thing to worship God, then choose a God you'd rather serve and do it today. Do it now. Make a choice right now. Are you going to make right choices or are you going to make wrong choices? He goes, choose one of the gods your, your ancestors worship from the country beyond the river or one of the gods of the Amorites on whose land you're now living. And then he says this, but as for me and my family, we'll worship God. Because you guys make whatever choices you want to do, but as for me and my crew right here, my squad, my posse, my gang, hey, we're choosing God's way. And see, the first thing you see in this story is there's a young young brother that's going, I want everything and I want it now. And you're just, you're reading it and you're going, don't do it, man. That's so dumb. Choose God. Your father was good. Stay in his house. And he didn't. And it starts off and it just convicts me is, man, I got to make a choice. I, I got a choice to make right here and now. Well, the title of this ser- sermon is your legacy starts now. Start making right choices. Start choosing God. It's, it's worked for me in my life and my family. I'm not here to tell you I'm perfect, but I set out in my life before getting married, before having kids, to say, God, I want to always have the right choices, so I'm going to try my best to always follow you. I trust your wisdom, not my own wisdom. Does that make sense? Start off by making the right choices. John Wayne has this really cool quote. Anybody remember John Wayne? He's the ultimate cowboy, right? Clint Eastwood is pretty rad, but John Wayne is the man, right? Remember him? Like, hey, pilgrim. Hey, pilgrim. Remember that, right? I can't really do John Wayne. I tried, though. But there's a quote that John Wayne said that I love that says this. It's talking about making your, your choices or, or the right choices. He says this. Life is tough, but it's tougher if you're stupid. <laughs> How's that? Is that a good quote or what? That's like, that's Twitter worthy right there, right there. Life is tough, but it's tougher if you're stupid, right? Here's like, we read this story and I'm reading it every time. And I just go, that's a dumb choice. Don't get your money now and go party it all away. You're going to be stuck with pigs. And here's the first thing I see from this is, man, if he would have just listened to his father, here's a lesson for me. If I want my new legacy to start here and now, make a choice. As for me and my family, we will worship God. We choose God. Amen? That's a good, that's only one point. But here's the next point that we see in this story here. Second point is this, write it down. Own your mistakes. Own your mistakes. This guy, when he hit rock bottom, it would have been so easy for him to go, you know what, why did my dad even give me that money? He should have been smarter about it. He could have blamed dad for his circumstances. He could have sat there, he could have blamed his boss. My boss doesn't even pay me enough. I'm working with the pigs. He doesn't pay me, I can't even eat. He could have blamed the famine. Look, I was parting my money away, but I still probably would have had enough. But then that dumb famine came and hit. Oh, he could have made excuses, justification. He could have said all of this other stuff to shift the blame. But instead, he manned up and he took responsibility for his consequences. There's a lesson in this for us to own our mistakes. Don't leave a legacy to your kids of one that's like, well, my dad was was good, but there was a couple times he did wrong and it just didn't seem like he really owned it. He made excuses, but something about it just didn't seem right, 
right? Be the kind of person that can own your own mess and your own mistakes. Don't shift the blame. Don't put it on someone else. Live a life where you can learn to speak those two most important, powerful words, I'm sorry. In other words, I did something dumb, and I'm sorry. I'm acknowledging that I did it. Too many of us, we do something wrong, and we walk away from God, and then we blame God like it's God's fault. Or we blame someone else, or I was just so tempted and this, and I was this and that. And too many times all God is saying is like, can you just own it? It's Father's Day. I'm talking to men in here today. Man up. Man up. Face the consequences. Be a man. Be someone that your kids are going to respect. Yeah, you made some mistakes. I've made some mistakes. But take ownership of those mistakes. Your kids will respect you more for owning those mistakes than just making them and shifting the blame. Am I getting through today? See, God will respect you more. Everywhere I read in the Bible, it says God exalts the humble. You can humble yourself and come and go, This is my fault, God. I'm so sorry. God goes, that's the spirit that I'm going to bless. That's the right heart that I'm going to honor and I'm going to exalt and I'm going to bless you with, right? It's owning those mistakes. There's a verse in Proverbs 28, 13. People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Man, God respects when you can own your mistakes. Your kids, the people around you go, yeah, he messed up, but he owned it. I can respect that. But you know the biggest person that's going to respect you for owning up to your mistakes? Right here, yourself. You got to live with yourself every single day. And you know if you're an excuse maker, blame shifter, and you're trying to put it on everybody else. You can live a lot easier with yourself and look in the mirror with confidence and go, yeah, I screwed up. I'm a mess. But I came clean and I owned it. I'm willing to take the steps. So own the mistakes. Too many times we try to shovel them off to someone else. I was on my trip two weeks ago to California and I did the whole um, pastor's conference and then we did Disneyland and we had, had a vacation um, in Huntington Beach. And one of the things I do when I travel, maybe some of you guys are like me, but one of my priorities when I travel is I love to eat the food everywhere. Anybody else, you just love to eat your way through your vacation? I love to, that's like the, the number one thing I look forward to because we know that like mainland restaurants are, are some that we don't have in Hawaii, right? You just see the commercials on cable TV and you're like, what is Olive Garden? Wow, that looks incredible, right? So you got to go to the mainland and they have stuff like in and out burgers, anybody? Come on. So I went, and can we show that picture? I went to the mainland and I ate my way through Southern California. There's like, there's Thai food up there. There's like Mexican food. Southern California, Mexican food is the real deal, yeah? Um, there's donuts up there, donuts for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. There's um, fish and chips. What else did I eat up here? There's like la- leg of lamb. There's like cinnamon roll, Ghirardelli, Ghirardelli, however you say that. It's real good. I don't know if you guys ever, ever had this, the chowder bowl at Disneyland. Come on. You guys never know? It's a loaf of sourdough bread that they carve out and they put clam chowder in it and you just, you eat the soup and you just keep eating the bowl. What? You guys never had that? That's like bucket list stuff right there. You got to hit one of those. But I ate all this food and then I start, you know, Instagramming pictures and everything. I'm like, whoa, my my face looks kind of round in that picture. What's going on? And I'm like, that that can't be right, you know? And then I jump on the scale at my mother-in-law's house, and I'm like, what? That's like 10 pounds heavier than when I left Hawaii. That's, no, I have a high metabolism. I never put on weight like that. That's, and I start, you know what I instantly start doing? Start blaming everything else. Oh, my picture only looks like that because the lighting is off. The lighting is making me look chubby. That's, that can't be real. I, oh, no, my shirt was just small. I need to wear a little bit. That's not my fault. That's the clothes are too tight, right? And I start, I look at the scale and I go, somebody needs to recalibrate this scale. It's wrong. I asked my wife, hey, honey, how much do you weigh on your thing? Does it look up? She goes, I'm actually doing pretty good. I'm like, lighter. I'm like, lighter? What? 
No, the scale's lying. It says I'm heavier. This can't be the scale. I'm, I'm thinking of everything possible why it says that there's extra like 10 pounds on this thing, right? It's like in 10 days too I'm talking about. Like I was, right? So I'm like, something is wrong here. And I'm, I'm literally like trying to blame it on, maybe it's cold weather and my body is like responding and like trying to hibernate for the winter and it's holding on to it more. I literally thought even this, I was stretching it. I was like, you know what they say? Muscle is heavier than fat. I was walking around Disneyland two full days. I probably put some muscle on my legs. Yeah. Finally, I had to come to the realization that I'm just a fatty and I'm eating everything and anything around me. And all of that responsibility lies on me. I blew it. So now I got to own responsibility for that. Let me tell you this. As a dad, when Father's Day rolls around and I look at some of the stuff in my life that isn't up to snuff and it isn't perfect and is not how I wanted it to be, I'm not going to blame anybody else. I'm going to take responsibility and go, God, I'm sorry. Can you help me? My new legacy starts right now. I'm not going to look at what got me here. I'm not going to blame anybody. I want to be the man of God that you called me to be. Does that make sense, guys? We have to own our own mistakes. And then there's this, this third point that I want to make that I believe is really the point of this whole story is that we should always go back to God Always go back to God. Here's the guy in his current legacy that he's leaving, the younger son. Living with pigs, no money, no food. He has no dignity, no pride. He's culturally unclean now by his people. He has no friends. No one was willing to help him out or to give him anything. He has no hope for a future. He's a young man, and he's thinking, hey, I want to get married one day. I can't. I blew my whole inheritance. I have no legacy. I have nothing to offer if I try to marry anybody. No one is going to, no dad is going to let their daughter marry me. I have nothing. So he basically could have just stayed in that legacy of leaving nothing to anybody else and being good to no one. And oftentimes, us as Christians, that's what we do. We let guilt eat us up and unworthiness eat us up. And we make a mistake. And you know what we do? Instead of going back to God, we just stay there. We just stay there and we throw the, the pity party, right? The pity party, hey, who's coming to my pity party? No one even comes to your pity party, only the devil, right, to laugh at you. Ha, 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 I'm here to celebrate with you, your pity party. You blew it, you made a mistake, and we just sit there and we stay there, right? That's a legacy that this guy could have left, but instead he decided to change the legacy and go, you know what, my legacy starts right now. I'm going to own my mistakes, and I'm going home to my father where he's going to cover me and he's going to take care of me. We don't have to stay where we're at. Lamentations 3.22 says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Every single day when you wake up, no matter what you did the day before, God goes, hey, welcome back. I've got new mercies for you. My forgiveness covers everything. I died on the cross for what you did yesterday. Don't worry about it. And what you're going to do today and tomorrow, I died on the cross both all of those times as well. Just keep coming back to me and live in my house. Isn't that good news? That's the story of the prodigal son is no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, we don't have to stay there. Right? We, we have a motto in this church that says, we promise to love you as is. And I like that. That means we'll accept you as you are, as you come in. But I think we need to improve on it and add on to the fact that not just we promise to love you as is, we also promise not to let you stay there. Because people come into church broken. I'm not going to let you stay broken. I'm going to give you God's best. There's more. You keep coming to God. He's going to do something with that. He's going to improve your life. His mercies are new every morning. But what it takes is that first step. It's an action step. 
Maybe you found yourself in habits or things that you've been doing all along. You just, oh, woe's me. This is all my life's going to amount to. This is the only legacy I'm going to leave for my kids, people around me, because I'm just this kind of a person. I'm unworthy. And God's really just saying, take one simple step of action to turn from that, to repent, and to come towards the Father. Take a step of action. I I read this quote from um, Army General George S. Patton in World War II. I got no imitation for him because I don't really, never heard him talk before. I just read about him, right? But here's, here's what he said was, a good plan violently executed now is better than a perfect plan next week. You know that saying? Get busy right now. Get energetic. Get, get violent about it. I'm going to change my ways right now. I'm not going to wait for the perfect plan to unveil next week. Make a change in your life right now. Does that make sense? That here's what the guy did. I'm living with pigs. I'm down here. I could just be like, this is the end of my life. This is all I'm about. But the younger son says this. You know what? I'm getting up, and I'm going all the way back to my father. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to do something about my life right now. I'm going to change my legacy. I'm going to go back to God right now. Start a new legacy. Again, don't be remembered for someone that just lived their life good enough and just stayed right there. Leave, leave a legacy that says, man, I'm making changes no matter what it costs. I'm going to God. I'm doing it his way. And I may have to face some consequences. I may have to deal with some problems. But if I go back to God, he's there to walk with me through those consequences. So life is going to be that much better. But make a change. Do something now. I love that it says he went back to his father. You know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say he went back to his church. He went back to his friends. He went straight back to the father because the father is the one that could bring the redemption and the restoration. And too many times it's so easy. People come to me and they're like, yeah, I've been away for so long and it's so good. I'm back in church. I need church. And I'm like, no, you need Jesus. Like church is great and that's awesome. But your faith and your restoration and the blessing in your life will not come from going to church alone. It comes from you going directly to Jesus, directly to the heart of God, receiving a personal relationship and forgiveness from him. That's what matters. That's what counts. That's what's Weighing the scales of your eternity is a relationship with God directly. Not just, I do good Christian things and I go to church and I read my Bible. Those help, but do you realize that it says the son didn't go back to friends or to any of that? He went straight home to the father. That's a lesson right there for us to go straight to the father. What happens when we go to the father? Psalm 92, 12 says, the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. They're transported, transplanted, to the Lord's own house. Here's what the kid did. I'm going back to my dad's house. The Lord is there. My father is there. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. Here's what you got to remember about this story is the father was watching and waiting for the son to come back. And when he saw him a long distance away, there was no judgment. If it was me, like you kind of think, man, someone burned me, someone took my money, whatever. I see him coming along. I'm locking the doors. I'm like, no, but like turn out the lights. Let's hide, right? Remember like Halloween when you forgot to buy candy and you close the door and you turn out the lights like, oh, they're all knocking at the door all night and you're just hiding in there because you got no candy to give them, right? See, God is not like that. God's not hiding from you. He's not judging you. You come back after all the messes you made. I'm like, oh, I'm here in church today. Why is your head down? You're about to go meet with a God that loves you and forgives you and is going to fix your life. You should be walking into church going, this is what I need. This is where it all happens. This is where I get clean. I can't wait to be here. We need to throw off all of that guilt and come back to God who's going to help us live better lives and change our legacy starting right now. Amen? This is the God that we serve. 
He's for you. He's not against you. He's waiting. He's watching for you, even if it's not your fault. Some of you, because I've had this in my life, you had the opportunity to turn from God because you're a victim, right? Stuff has happened to you. And you, you didn't even choose to rebel and turn against God. Your life got so jacked up by other things or other people hurting you that you go, it's not even my fault. And then what you do is you wallow in your depression and self-pity and go, oh, because of that, I don't see God. Where's God in my life? So I'm going to kind of drift away from him. And, and, and God's going, hey, come back to me. And you're like, look, it's not even my fault. All this stuff happened to me. I didn't choose to run away from you. But look, this is the reward that I get. I've been there, guys. I'm not trying to judge you. I'm speaking from experience. I went down a bad path recently, and, and stuff was just mounting up. Not recently. It's been a year, a couple years. But I was in that place where I could wallow with the pigs, you know, and, oh, woe is me. And I didn't even do this to myself. I'm a good guy. I tried to love God my whole life. I did all of this. It's not even my fault, God. But I don't know if I can hold on to you because this isn't fair, right? And so it, it caused me to distance myself a little bit from God. Not major, but there was a, dis- a decision and choice I had to make. Am I going to stick with God and persevere and hold on to him and live in the Father's house even though I'm dealing with all these consequences? Or am I going to just sit there and wallow and not return to God, right? And during the whole process I was going through this in my life, I realized that I still have a legacy that I'm leaving what other people are watching. My kids are watching. My daughter wrote me a, a card last Father's Day, I think it was, and she just wrote some of the stuff. on. Anytime my kids write to me, they don't always write, so it's like really rare, and so I literally pay attention to what they say. She goes, hey, Dad, happy Father's Day. Said some funny stuff or whatever, and then she's just like, thank you for always teaching people about Jesus. I know that's not always easy to do. I was like, whoa. And then she goes, thank you for leading us and for always pushing us towards the Lord. And she said, thank you for being brave because she saw what I was going through in life. And she goes, thank you for being brave because you make me brave. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I'm so thankful that in that opportunity where I could have said, it's not my fault. I'm not going to go to God. I don't trust him. All this stuff happened to me. I'm thankful that I held on for whatever reason. Tons of people were praying for me. The Holy Spirit is, is strong in there in me, and he's moving in me. God has mercy on me. For whatever reason, I decided to persevere and to leave a good legacy. I saw in my kids, in my daughter's letter, that it's making a difference, that I'm leaving a good legacy. And so you got to hold on, even if it's not your fault, no matter how far you've gotten off track, no matter what mistakes you've made, Father's Day 2015, Hope Chapel, Kaneohe Bay, sitting in this air-conditioned tent, you can start a new legacy. Do you guys believe that? Make the change, whatever it costs. And here's the bonus lesson. Don't be the older brother. The older brother was the guy that says, but I'm good. I've lived in the house forever. I don't want that guy to come back. That's not fair. You know what? Don't be the older brother. You should celebrate every life that turns around and comes to Jesus. Remember that. I was writing my sermon Thursday afternoon. And recently in my life, one of my good friends who I hadn't talked to in years because he walked away from the Lord and he was, he was messing up his own life. He recently, circumstances brought him back. He's broken. He's like prodigal son. He's coming back to the Lord. And I know it. And his, the phone rings and his, his number shows up. And I'm over here trying to write this sermon. Man, it's my study time. I'm in the zone. I got to go. I got to go. And I see his number come up. and I go, oh, man. Praise God. God's doing a good work in his life. But he's going to talk long. I don't have time for this. I'm trying to write a sermon. So I let it go to voicemail. You know what happened? Holy Spirit instantly convicts me and says, 
what, what are you studying about there, Carl? I'm like, oh, about celebrating the loss coming home. He goes, are you going to write this message or are you going to live this message? Call that guy back right now. Celebrate that he's coming back to Jesus. And I'm like, okay, okay. So I call the guy and it's a long talk, but I got to talk with him. I got to encourage him. I got to pray with him. Don't be the older brother. See, God has this heart that says he loves the lost, the last, and the least. And he's there for everybody coming home. And no matter where you've been and what you've done, God is waiting for you with open arms. Praise God you're sitting here in church today. You can change the legacy that up until now you were going to leave. But everything changed in, in who you are and who you could be because of God in your life. Stay in the Father's house. Always go back to him. Is that a good word this morning for Father's Day? Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word that speaks truth to our lives. It convicts us, but also encourages us and challenges us. Lord, thank you for being the ultimate heavenly father that just it wants our best. And you know the things we've done and the legacy that right now we're, we're going to leave to others, but you know you can make it better. And Lord, I pray that we would take advantage of this word that we heard today, this powerful story of a father's heart that just embraces and wants the best for his wayward son. Lord, a lot of times we are that lost son, the wayward son, and we go astray. We've done things that are pretty stupid. And Lord, you're always there to, to fix us and to bring us back. And so we thank you for that. If there's anybody in the room here today, you're just feeling that on your heart. Man, I've slipped, God. I, I, I have a hard time even coming back to you. I want to leave a good legacy. I just want you to come to him right now in prayer. and Just give him those things. Right now, God, we give you the things in the areas where we've made mistakes and we fall short. Lord, we ask you to take it, that you would change our legacy right now because we're going to choose you. From this day forward, we will worship you. God will make right decisions. When we make mistakes, we'll own them. And we will always promise to come back to you because you're always there to forgive us and love us. Lord, thank you for that on this Father's Day. And also, as we are praying, everybody's eyes are closed and heads are bowed. I want to say another prayer. I want to pray with anybody in the room that this might be really the first really honest to goodness, true time where you're coming to God where you've lived a life that's kind of been on your own and maybe you've heard about God and maybe you're kind of a good person, but you know that it's not the same as being transplanted into the Father's house and having his blessing on everything that you do. And if you're at the point in life where you're ready to say yes to all that God has for you, to really become a Christian, to really decide that, man, I'm lost, but because of Jesus, I can be found. If you're at that point where you're really willing to believe that Jesus died on the cross for us because sin is in all of us as human beings and it separates us from God. But Jesus came, paid the price for our sin at the cross. Then through the grave, he conquered that sin and that death to prove that he is a son of God so that we could have relationship with the Father, so that we could know God here on this planet in, in this lifetime on earth, but also in the eternity to come. And so if that's describing you this morning and you're saying, I need to make a decision, it all starts here. I need to say yes to God and to Jesus and all that's available in my life. And from here on out, I'm going to follow him. If that's you, I want you to pray with me right now. I'm going to say a prayer with you out loud. You pray it quietly. I'll pray it out loud. You pray it in your heart. God sees your heart and he judges it. After service, you can go and tell someone you prayed it. But right now, let's start with the heart. I'm going to pray you into this new relationship with Jesus Christ as your God where you follow him and he begins to bless you. But it starts with acknowledging that in your heart. So I'm going to pray out loud. You pray quietly and then we'll get on with the rest of the day and God's going to do big things here today. But I want you to let me know if you're going to pray with me. Eyes are closed, heads are bowed. If you want to pray with me, I'm going to count to three, and I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand to let me know that we're going to pray together, and then we'll pray. So here we go. On the count of three, just lift your hand if that's you saying, I want to be a Christian here today. One, two.
two, three. Can you just lift your hand and hold it up until I see you? I just want to count them. I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Uh, I saw at least nine people. I'm looking in the lights. At least nine people in the room today. Go ahead and put your hands on. Just pray this with me. You pray it in your heart, under your breath. God hears you. God, I'm here today, and I realize that I need you. Lord, I kind of relate to that story there. I've been lost. Maybe I know about you, heard about you, or whatever, but Lord, I know I don't know you the way that you want me to, the way that you could do incredible things in my life if I would really give you permission to come in and to to completely have control of my life, that I would follow you. So Lord, I'm telling you that I believe in your son Jesus, what he did at the cross and the grave. Lord, I'm asking you right now to be my God. I will follow you from here on out. Lord, I will live all my days with you as my highest priority, listening to your wisdom, not my own. Lord, I, I ask for you to do all these amazing things and miracles in my life through the power of your Holy Spirit. As I read the word, as I go to church, as I, as I get baptized, all of the stuff, Lord, that you say is best for my life. Lord, I'm, I'm following you from here on out. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being the father that doesn't judge me or get mad at me, but you're just so happy and blessed that I'm coming home to you right now. Thank you for being my God from this day forward into eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Can we praise God for those people this morning? About nine people at least I saw. Amen.